is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is your aew dynamite post show for april 6th 2022 i am your host jd from new york there are no shitty tacos and all the sour cream that you guys want as i'm flying solo tonight i am jd from new york and this is off the script obviously you guys are accustomed to seeing jesse on wednesday night Jesse is not here this evening because he has personal matters to attend to. Jesse will be be back on the show next week, and we will be back together doing our thing on Wednesday night next week. AW Dynamite, man. Fantastic show tonight. And I'm loving this babyface run by FTR, man. They are absolutely on fire. This may be the best version of FTR that we've ever seen. And I was incredibly high on their work in NXT. As you guys know, I'm, I'm black and gold forever, man. Their work in NXT was fantastic. They got called up to the main roster. I was expecting them to be on top of the world in tag team wrestling, man. I mean, the matches were there. Matches with the Usos, matches with the New Day. And it just did not really play out the way that uh, everybody envisioned. Next thing you know, they went from being one of the best tag teams on the face of the planet to shaving each other's chest hair in a shower, being trolled by Jimmy and Jay Uso. No wonder they are in AEW and they left WWE. I wonder what happened there. I wonder what, I, I wonder what went so badly in WWE. They went into the main event tonight against the Young Bucks, and though it wasn't better than the Briscoes match that they had at Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor on Friday night, not many is you know, not not many tag teams are gonna go in there and really duplicate what those two teams did. The only two teams that could ever duplicate what they did on that night are FTR and the Briscoes. Wasn't better than the Briscoes match. But my goodness, man, when you talk about one of the best TV main events of the entire year, you're probably going to have this match tonight in discussion. FTR and the Young Bucks Part 2. This one was winner take all. Triple A Tag Team Championships and the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships in the main events. FTR hugely over in Boston tonight as babyfaces. Loving what's going on with them right now, man. They are on fire so much more so than any other time than I remember. 
And it's it's just a beautiful thing to see, man. Tag Team Wrestling thriving once again. And we have AEW to thank for that because you're not going to find that on Monday and you're not going to find that on Tuesday or Friday. Adam Cole. Adam Cole is going into another match with Adam Page for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. This time, it's not at a major pay-per-view. It's not even going to be at Battle of the Belts, which I'm thoroughly confused by because Battle of the Belts legitimately is next Saturday, and Tony Khan has booked this match not on Dynamite, not on Battle of the Belts, not at a major pay-per-view. Tony Khan booked this match live on AEW Rampage, and we will talk about why. Tony Khan booked Adam Cole versus Adam Page for the AEW World title on Rampage after we talk about his great match tonight with Christian Cage. Barn burner of a match to open Dynamite tonight. Really confused by what the decision is to do this match on Rampage. Of all the places, that's the last place that I would put a match of that caliber for the AEW World title, but... Tony Khan knows what he's doing. I don't work for Tony Khan, though some may be surprised by me saying that because legitimately every day, whether it's on Instagram or it's on Twitter or it's in my email or someone in the fucking comment section, you're a shill. No, believe it or not, folks, I do not work for Tony Khan. I wear this hoodie because it's fucking cold in New York City and B, I look fucking great in it, so that's why I wear it. Very confused as to why that match is happening on Rampage, but Tony Khan's got an explanation, and we'll go over that explanation a little bit later on in the show, but that match is coming. So we can automatically take Adam Cole's name out of the equation when we talk about what Adam Page is going to be doing going on into Double or Nothing. The Hardys. The Hardy Boys, man. Everybody was excited. I was excited. Jesse was not excited. Jesse's a clown. He kind of warmed up to a little bit, but I think him and I would be on the same page tonight about the Hardy Boys, man. I don't want to say it. I love both Matt and Jeff. I think they're great. One of the best tag teams ever. I don't want to come off as disrespectful, and I don't want to sit here and downplay the Hardys and how important they could still be to AEW. The whole the whole Hardy reunion and the whole Hardy Boy act may be already wearing thin. And it's because of the booking of the Hardy Boys. And I don't necessarily think booking them in tables matches and having Jeff Hart last week was fine. Or whenever he jumped, or two weeks ago it was, whenever he jumped off the fucking building as if he was fucking Batman, Jeff Hardy jumping off the building in Texas and going through a table, which led to tonight's tables match, don't necessarily think we need to see the Hardy Boys kind of go back in time 20 years ago when their bodies aren't really made for that type of environment in 2022. And whatever they did tonight in that tables match with the Butcher and the Blade, it's one of the very reasons why AEW gets shit on on social media. Now, I'm not a part of that. I see it. I don't say anything about it, but I see it. But it's definitely one of the reasons why AEW gets shit on amongst the vast minority of the fucking unintelligent ghouls that reside on social media. This doesn't really help Tony Khan's cause to downplay 
those whispers and all of those complaints. The match sucked. The match was A, confusing, because nobody really knew what the fuck was going on. It was a tables match, and it was a Texas Tornado tables match. Nobody really specified that was the ruling of the match when we got the match tonight. And then Jeff seemed a little out of it. I don't know what the hell had happened. It looked like he was botching all over the place. He was slipping. At one point, he slipped doing a um, a move off of the blade's back, as if he slipped off the blade's back because, obviously, the blade was sweaty, and he went flying into the barricade. I don't know what the hell had happened, but we will talk about all the car wreck that was that tables match tonight on the post-show for AEW Dynamite. I don't really get it, and I hope that Tony Khan really listens to the criticisms with the Hardy Boys moving forward. I, I get he's excited about the Hardy Boys showing up in AEW, but we don't need to recreate the fucking uh, death-defying acts of the Hardy Boys with the Dudleys and Christian and Edge. This is Hardy Boys 2022. They should be a little bit more focused on Tag Team Gold, yet they're, they're in AEW trying to relive their fucking youth. No. I don't think that's the best way to use the Hardy Boys in AEW. Wardlow. Wardlow is absolutely killing it, man. And the guy doesn't even have to get into the ring and lift a fucking finger. I love it. It's absolutely incredible, man. This guy is more and more over every single week. And they've done literally nothing with him. And it's what they did tonight and what they are continuing to do with Wardlow that is working so brilliantly. We have all of the bad things that we get with the situation with the Hardys like we'll talk about tonight. And then we get the good. And then we get the good. And the good of AEW is anything MJF related and really what is going on and the perfect booking of Wardlow. Absolutely incredible. It is this type of storyline that is disrupting the system. This is a disrupting the system angle. And it's getting Wardlow over to a point where it is definitely WCW-esque. And I mean back in the heyday where everybody was all over WCW, man. They are chanting Wardlow's name louder and louder and louder, just like they did Bill Goldberg during the Attitude Era. It is crazy. And it's a fucking beautiful thing to see, man. You really, really got to sit down and appreciate the level of care that Tony Khan has put into building up Wardlow. It is going to be tremendous when Wardlow finally gets his hands on MJF. Samoa Joe, man. Samoa Joe made his return to pro wrestling on Friday night at Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor. It was the best $30 that I spent all year. Absolutely fantastic show. I said it on Friday. I'll say it again. You guys missed the NXT takeovers that Triple H was in charge of. Tony Khan's going to be doing them now with Ring of Honor once every quarter, man. It is fucking great. Absolutely fantastic. And Samoa Joe... Showed up at the end of that show, got a standing ovation from 1,800 people in that arena, and then showed up on Dynamite tonight and was over as fuck. It is so great to see Samoa Joe back on television, and he advances in the Owen Owen Hart Cup Invitational Tournament, man. Unbelievable stuff. Samoa Joe is going to be one nasty motherfucker to beat in that tournament, and I don't know... Who is going to end up beating Samoa Joe? 
But by the looks of it, with Samoa Joe already qualifying for this tournament, you can already imagine the possibilities of matches that this tournament will have going on into Double or Nothing, man. This may be just by Joe qualifying tonight as the first male to qualify for this tournament, it may end up being one of the best tournaments that we've seen this decade. It's going to be awesome. So we got a lot to talk about tonight, guys. Uh, again, I'm here solo. Thoughts and prayers go out to Jesse. He is dealing with a family situation. He'll be back on next Wednesday's show, and we are going to do what we do best in the IWC, no matter what, right here on Off the Script. I appreciate you guys very much for hanging out with me on your Wednesday nights, wherever you may be. Today, sponsored by Honey. Join Honey.com slash off the script. Make sure you guys go and download the free web browser using our unique link. That is joinhoney.com slash off the scripts. You guys download it for free. You shop online. You save yourself some money. You put a smile on your face. And you make me happy because you're supporting Off the Script, man. I want to thank Honey, as always, for being a great friend and a great sponsor for many years. Right here on OTS, we'll talk about my friends over at Honey a little bit later on in the show. Busy week, man. I'm still drained from WrestleMania weekend. God help me if I was actually there in Dallas for WrestleMania weekend. I'm feeling it here in New York, man. Live every single day since Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, live tonight. Tomorrow is the only day of the week that I will have free without being live for you fine people. But there will be an upload tomorrow. I'm still working tomorrow. There's a lot of shit happening in the world of pro wrestling, man. I'm going to get you covered. And I'm going to give you the opinions that you want tomorrow on Off the Script, man. Full-fledged Off the Scripts podcast coming tomorrow. We got a lot to talk about. Nash Carter released, fired by WWE today. Not really going to get into why because we don't really know it. We don't really know the situation. And we don't know his ex-wife. We don't know what's going on with him and his friends and his family. We don't know jack shit. But WWE let one half of the current NXT Tag Team Champions, they let him go. So we don't know what the hell is going on there. Tony Storm, there's news on Tony Storm. Apparently, when she quit WWE, she had thoughts of quitting pro wrestling altogether. It's amazing, man, what WWE does to those that are there. And then some people say that WWE is the place to be. Clearly not for pro wrestlers like Tony Storm. Tammy Sitch is in the news. Apparently, she is possibly going to be charged with uh, something. She was involved in the murder of a 75-year-old man with an already revoked license driving under the influence. She's going away for a very long time, man. Get that woman off the streets. Get that woman off the road. Get her behind bars and fucking keep her there. What a disgrace. What a disgrace. And she's in the Hall of Fame and China's not. Go figure. So we got a lot to talk about tomorrow, man. So make sure you guys tune into that. Follow me on Twitter at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Hit that thumbs up. I see 1,800 people in the venue tonight. But I only see 518 likes. Why? Why? I don't get it. I don't understand. Hit that thumbs up, guys. It's free to do so, and it helps me out. It helps me out. 
Also, Super Chats are open. Get them on in. We're going to hang out at the end of the show. You guys let me know what you think of AEW Dynamite tonight and all the big news and rumors happening in the world of pro wrestling via Super Chats. So get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. And hit that join button, man. Become an OTS VIP. We already got three tonight, including the NYC Demon Diva Issa, who could not re-up her membership to the VIP club because she was in Puerto Rico. But now she's back for a couple of days, apparently. And uh, we'll talk to East at the end of the show, man. I got to get to work here. So thank you to all the members and the VIPs that just joined right here tonight on Off Scripts. Let's get into the AEW Dynamite post show, man. Adam Cole, baby. Adam Cole, man. One of the best pro wrestlers on the face of the earth. Should be a future WrestleMania main eventer. But they wanted to make him into a manager. I just read a story. I just read a story tonight via Sean Ross Sapp and Fightful Select. This has nothing to do with Dynamite and nothing to do with uh, the match with Adam Cole and Christian Cage. But the similarities and the stupidity and the unbelievable fucking carelessness with talent and the joke that is Bruce Pritchard just boggles my mind. L.A. Knight may be getting called up to the main roster. What do you think they want to do with L.A. Knight? Do they want to have him on SmackDown and really go out there and really give some of that fucking much-needed talent to the mid-card, to the secondary title, for the intercontinental title? Nah. No, they want to turn him into a manager. They want to turn him into a mouthpiece because they think he's a better mouthpiece than he is wrestler. Yeah, we'll talk about that tomorrow. So he's getting the Adam Cole treatment is L.A. Knight, my boy L.A. Knight. What happened? Bruce Pritchard, man, what the fuck is wrong with you, bro? Seriously. Yeah, MJF's got you on speed dial, man. I may have to hit MJF up to get your number, man. You and I have to have a couple of words, okay? Jesus fucking Christ. LA Knight is done. Done. Adam Cole, baby. Christian Cage, man. If there's one thing that we know, it is Adam Cole's fantastic. Christian is great. And AEW Dynamite always puts on a banger of an opening match every single week, most weeks. Not all weeks, but most weeks. This was no different, man. This was an absolute banger of a match. This was a pay-per-view quality level match to open AEW Dynamite. Shout out to the fine people of Boston, Massachusetts, man. You guys killed it tonight. You were loud all night. You didn't really let up all night. Boston, you show WWE tonight what the Raw After Mania crowd should sound like. What happened on Raw After Mania? Silence. That's what happens when they get a shit show. So early on here, Adam Cole spat in Christian's face. Christian didn't fall for the bait, and he attacked with uh, lariats and chops back in the ring. Cole cut off Christian, kicking his legs out on the second rope, landing some thrust kicks. Cole whipped Christian over the steel steps, a la Mick Foley, and we go to a quick commercial break. Christian in the commercial break. Being beaten down, Adam Cole's wearing him down with a headlock. He's putting the boots to him. Christian sent Cole to the floor after the commercial break, uh, after the commercial break and then uh, landed a dive off the top turnbuckle. He didn't really land the dive, and Cole tried to take advantage, but Christian regained control and landed 10 punches in the corner on Adam Cole. The crowd ate that up, counting all the way up until 10. The sunset flip followed for a two, swinging DDT by Christian, got another two, 
Cole countered another sunset flip attempt into a backstabber. Beautiful backstabber for two. Christian cradled Cole for a near fall and then hit a reverse DDT. Cole rolled out of the way of a diving headbutt. Christian went up top with a diving headbutt attempt. Adam Cole moved out of the way, landed thrust kicks before lowering the boom. But Adam Cole lowered the boom with the knee pad on. He didn't lower the boom without the knee pad. Christian hit his over-the-top right hand. Cole countered a dive with a super kick for two. Christian then reversed a Panama sunrise and hit a top rope Frankensteiner for a near fall. Cole super kicked Christian's knee. Christian stopped the Panama sunrise. Cole countered the pump kick and dropped a knee pad, but Christian countered the boom into a spear for the closest near fall of the match thus far. Cole then takes advantage, pokes Christian in the eye, lowered the knee pad, lowered the boom, and got the one, two, three. And Adam Cole, baby, gets another big win over Christian Cage in a great open to AEW Dynamite. At the end of the match, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish come out and they attack Christian. It is a three-on-one situation. Quick Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus came out to make the save. Adam Hangman Page immediately comes out to save the day. And Cole immediately took the microphone and he told him to stop because he's not fighting him until he puts the AEW title on the line. Hangman entered and circled Cole. Cole didn't really do anything to Adam Page. He just stood there and he didn't throw a punch. He didn't try to take advantage. He didn't try to do anything. He circled Cole and then got right in Adam Cole's face and asked if he wants another match with him. He shoved him and then said, listen, I'll give you the title match and let it serve as your punishment. He said, next week, they will have a live rampage in Texas. He said, it won't be a normal match and it won't be on his terms. He said, he'll defend against Adam Cole in a Texas death match. Cole stood there. Remember when Jesse and I talked about Adam Page being challenged by Lance Archer in a Texas death match. And Adam Page stood there like, oh, oh man, what am I, what am I going to do about that? When he looked all afraid and intimidated. It's the same look that Adam Cole gave Adam Page tonight about the Texas death match announcement and the AEW world title match. He stood there. He let it settle in. He seemed nervous. He seemed scared. This is what Adam Cole wanted. He wanted another shot because he feels that Adam Page got lucky at Revolution. No matter what the ramifications are, no matter what the stipulation is, Adam Cole should not be afraid. Adam Cole should not look intimidated. This works in Adam Cole's favor. He's got backup. There's no reason to be afraid in a Texas death match when there's no DQ and you know that you got your boys to rely on. Why is Adam Cole looking intimidated by Adam Page when Adam Cole wanted the world title match all this time, no matter what the stipulation is? Doesn't really make a good impression for Adam Cole to come off looking nervous. So we got this match, and Adam Page said, you're getting the match next week. You got one week to get your affairs in order. 
That's a big match for Rampage. I'm actually quite shocked that that match is taking place on Rampage. I, I, don't, I don't really know why it's taking place on Rampage. The only thing I could really think of, logically, is that Tony Khan sees the ratings for Rampage. They're not really getting any better. And it has nothing to do with the quality of the matches on Rampage. The time slot sucks. And the show is taped. Nobody wants to watch a tape show. People want to make an appointment to watch your show live to see what you got. And nobody's going to go out there and watch a tape show. I don't know if they watch their shows back. I don't know if they watch it live when they are airing. But the show doesn't feel like an AEW show, man. It, it, feels, like a, it feels like a minor league show, to be quite honest with you. They, they give you four matches. They blow through it. Nothing really breathes. They try and pack too much in. In the one hour, again, nothing really breathes on Rampage. It's boom, 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 boom. They have this quote that they say, it's the fastest hour of pro wrestling on TV. I don't want quick pro wrestling. I don't want quick pro wrestling. When I watched NXT at one hour on the WWE Network, it allowed things to breathe. You'd be lucky if you got two, three matches on the show. And they let things breathe. Whether it was a debut, a video package, an interview, Moro selling something to get you excited about a fucking takeover coming up. Whatever the case may be, they let things breathe. I don't necessarily think this is the right match to be putting on Rampage because what is it going to mean after this week is over? You're going to go right back to a taped Rampage and everybody's going to forget about what had happened with Adam Page and Adam Cole. You got a battle of the belts coming up legitimately the day of... The 15th or the 16th. It's April 16th. Next week. Next week. Why don't you do this next week at Battle of the Belts? You want to hype a Battle of the Belts up, but then you don't want to include your biggest belt in the company. I, I don't understand the logic there. It it's like Tony Khan is already booking this second Battle of the Belts the same way he did the first Battle of the Belts, and nobody gave a shit about the first Battle of the Belts because how could you? When the FTW title is on the line on a show called Battle of the Belts. If you're going to do Battle of the Belts, you got to make things make sense to a point where your AEW title's on the line, your tag team title's on the line, or your TNT title's on the line, TBS title's on the line, one or the other. He's already booking the Battle of the Belts show the same way he did the first Battle of the Belts. Don't like it. I don't like this match taking place on Rampage. Tony Khan is making excuses for Rampage not being as popular and must-see as Dynamite. <coughs> Excuse me. So he was on Busted Open, and Tony, Tony Khan made it clear that he plans to go back to his ruthless roots regarding the lineup and make it a stacked lineup for Rampage. Give me one second, folks. My allergies are killing me. I don't know why. Last week's Rampage drew 456,000 viewers and a 0.15 rating in the 18 to 49 demographic, but that was up from the March 25th episode, which did 425,000 viewers. I don't really understand why this match got to take place next week on Rampage, or this coming week on Rampage. So we're getting this title match, and it is what it is. It should be a fantastic match. It should be a barn burner of a match. Hopefully they get most of the second half of the show, and we get a great title match out of it. But other than that, I honestly think that this match should be safe for a bigger platform, for a bigger show. 
Now, I don't really foresee Adam Page losing the championship with double or nothing looming in the distance. So if Adam Cole is getting a match, I don't really think he is going to be getting another title match at Adam Page anytime soon after this next title match in this Texas death match uh, on Rampage. So we can automatically, I would assume, take him out of the title picture in a one-on-one situation. That doesn't mean he's not going to be able to get another one-on-one match ever for the AEW title, not just against Page. But with Adam Cole more than likely losing this next match to Page, Page will be going into the pay-per-view as the AEW champion. It could be one of the other. It could really be that we're getting CM Punk versus Adam Page, or we could still have Adam Cole involved, and we get a triple threat match with Adam Cole and Adam Page and CM Punk. That's also a possibility I don't really rule that out until I see what we are going to be doing going into double or nothing. But as far as the match is concerned, should be a great match. I don't think Cole is going to win the title. I won't have a problem if he does because he's a world champion on any fucking show that he's on. I don't really see him winning the title there. And I would wait to do the match at a dynamite or perfect battle of the belts. But Tony Khan seems to think otherwise there. Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe went one-on-one with Max Caster. He was with Anthony Bowens. Samoa Joe made his ring entrance first. It it always amazes me how everywhere he goes, man, Samoa Joe has some kick-ass fucking theme music. He's got some great fucking theme music, man. And they were chanting along to the beat. Of Joe, Joe, Joe. Awesome. I love it. Joe was one of my favorites. As soon as he made his way into NXT, man, I was excited that Triple H picked him up. After all the rumors of Samoa Joe not really being uh, brought into WWE because Bruce Pritchard looked at him and thought he was fat and he was out of shape and he was overweight and he's nothing more than a fat Samoan and he's not an Anawaii, right? All of this led to WWE kind of passing on Samoa Joe. You know who didn't pass on Samoa Joe? Triple H. Samoa Joe was one of the best pickups that Triple H had when he was still in charge of NXT. He was NXT champion. He brought a sense of legitimacy. He made the main roster. We got that Brock Lesnar match out of it. I would have put the belt on Joe at Great Balls of Fire, if you guys remember that. That was a great feud, even though it was a one-off. He brings a sense of realism. He brings a sense of excitement that is real. And he brings a sense of legitimacy on any show he's on. And he is a welcomed sight on AEW television. I'm so happy he's back on television in AEW. This is amazing to me. And it makes me a very happy pro wrestling fan. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great, 
talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Max Caster. Everybody was wondering what was going to be said by Max Caster via his rap, via his pre-match promo on Samoa Joe. So Joe came out, got the towel around his neck. He's in the ring. No bullshit. He's there. He's fucking mega over. Boston loved him. Crowd was going crazy for him. Caster raps and he said, I'm main event, Max, your X division. So I'm sending you home because you're just injury prone. He said that he has that towel around his neck because he can't stop playing with himself. And when we beat them in the ratings, you were their champ. Meaning NXT. AEW beat NXT in the ratings. And when they did, Samoa Joe was NXT champion. This, Jesse already told me this was a five taco rating for Max Caster's pre-match promo. And I laughed my ass off, man. That was easily one of Max's best so far against Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe was uh, rather impressed, but he wasn't pleased whatsoever. And Max had an ass kicking waiting for him as soon as that bell rung. And he got buried. He got killed by Samoa Joe. There was even a sign in the crowd that said, Hey, yo! Yo, listen! Samoa Joe is going to kill you. Yes, whoever had that, hey, listen, sign in the crowd. Samoa Joe's going to kill you. Thumbs up by me. That was an awesome sign. So we get this match. It really didn't last all that long at all. Caster got in Joe's face. Joe responded with a swift headbutt. Joe laid in some punches and beat this guy down. Varying strikes. He did a suicide dive. Joe's going right into it, man. Threw Caster to the outside. Samoa Joe is a very scary suicide dive. And he nailed a suicide dive on Max Caster tonight in his first outing on AEW TV. He was distracted by Bowens on the outside. Uh, this allowed Caster to take advantage with the cheap shot. Back in the ring, both guys go. Caster landed a backhand, which only served to uh, anger Samoa Joe even further, who uh, then took a shoulder tackle by Samoa Joe. This was uh, all that needed, or all that was needed for Samoa Joe. We saw the return of the muscle buster for Samoa Joe, a move that was banned in WWE because he almost killed Tyson Kidd with it. So they didn't allow him to do it ever on the main roster in a freak accident. Joe didn't do it on purpose. It was a freak accident. Shit happens. But the muscle buster is back and Samoa Joe wins with the Muscle Buster. One, two, three. And Samoa Joe is the first male on the AEW roster to qualify for the Owen Hart Foundation Tournament. I don't know what Tony Khan is planning on doing with this entire tournament, but if Samoa Joe is the first to qualify, I'm already getting visions of some damn good fucking matches in this thing. Honestly. Is Jay Lethal going to be involved? Is Brian Danielson going to be involved? Is John Moxley going to be involved? Is CM Punk going to be 
involved. Who's going to be involved in this tournament, man? The possibilities are endless for Tony Khan. This is something that I can imagine keeps him up at night when thinking about what he should be doing for the tournament, who he wants to book in this tournament, and what he wants the brackets to look like leading all the way to the finals. It's something that I know would keep me up. The possibilities are endless. And I hope that when we get into this thing and we start the actual tournament, that we, even before that, I would like to know what the winner of this tournament is getting. Yes, it's great to honor the memory of Owen Hart, one of the best of all time. Everybody loves Owen Hart. Finals are going to be taking place at double or nothing, both for the men and the women. But what do the winners on the women's side and the men's side, what do they get? Is it going to be a trophy? Is it going to be something that is like the Dusty Cup in NXT? Do they get a trophy and a title shot? Or is it just going to be a trophy and no title shot? I, I don't know. I hope it's a title shot. I would like this to be, I would like this to be their version of the King of the Ring tournament. And it's something that I wish WWE would do every year, but they're fucking clueless. After what we saw from the last Queen of the Ring and the King of the Ring tournament, I never want to see a fucking King of the Ring or Queen of the Ring tournament again on WWE TV. I want it to be just as prestigious and epic as that. And if there's one thing we know, Tony Khan knows how to book a fucking tournament. Because all the tournaments that we saw so far on AEW have been bangers with some pretty damn good fucking matches. So I'm looking forward to it. Samoa Joe is the first to qualify in the Owen Hart Foundation tournament. After the match, Jay Lethal and Sunjay Dutt appeared on the big screen. They interrupted Joe. Joe didn't even get a microphone tonight. I was disappointed. Samoa Joe didn't even get a microphone tonight. Why? Keith Lee didn't get a microphone on his first night either. I, now Keith Lee is not a promo like Samoa Joe, granted, but I would have loved to hear why Joe is back in AEW, why he showed up at Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor on Friday night. So Sunjay Dutt and Jay Lethal, they attacked Samoa Joe or they attacked Jonathan Gresham at the end of Supercard. And then Joe came out to save Gresham. But Jay Lethal seemingly is turning heel right before our very eyes. And Lethal said that they respected him more than he respected them. Jay Lethal said he's changed his outlook on life. He said Joe never answered his phone when he called him for four months. He said he was calling and looking for advice from his one-time mentor. But he wouldn't pick up the phone for anybody but a billionaire. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Lethal, listen. Joe was too busy getting fired by Bruce Pritchard, then getting rehired by Triple H, ultimately getting fired again by Bruce Pritchard for a second time. It's a shame. They had him running through rings of fire down in Orlando. They had him running through bullshit in Stamford, Connecticut. So if Samoa Joe didn't pick up the phone... For poor Jay Lethal, I think Samoa Joe has some fucking pretty damn good excuses, if you ask me. So, he was looking for advice, but he feels like Samoa Joe only picked up the phone for a billionaire, billionaire, a.k.a. Tony Khan. He said his first t-shirt should say, Samoa Joe, the Samoan gold digger. He said what most upsets him is that he didn't know Joe was going to be there. He said he would have rolled out the red carpet for him, and Sanjay Dutt said, listen, that's not too late. It's not too late to do that. Lethal said, you know what? You're right. So next week, we're going to give Joe a present 
he will never forget. See you in New Orleans, says Sanjay Dutt as the entire promo comes to an end. Joe didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. At this point, I was hoping he'd take a microphone and say something. He didn't. So we got to wait till next week to see if Samoa Joe says anything on the microphone, which at that point, if Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dutt are going to give him a present, he's never going to forget. I'm assuming Samoa Joe will have some words next week on AEW Dynamite. And listen, Jay Lethal, man, you know, a lot of people are still crying that Jay Lethal's not being used correctly in AEW. How do you botch somebody with the talent of Jay Lethal? Jay Lethal is in a major program right now with Samoa Joe that is spanning both shows. So I don't get what the fucking problem is. And if this leads to a Jay Lethal versus Samoa Joe match, no matter what the outcome is, all of Jay Lethal's matches so far, the ones that we've seen on television, have been fucking bangers. So let Tony Khan book what he needs to do as far as Jay Lethal and Samoa Joe is concerned. As long as Jay Lethal is on television, I think Tony Khan is listening to the people that desire to see Jay Lethal on television. Obviously referenced by this, he's already in a major program with a returning very over as fuck Samoa Joe. And this is going to be excellent. And Lethal is a heel? I'm all for it, man. He comes off like a prick, and it sounds great. Tony Schiavone. He was backstage. He interviewed William Regal. He was with Brian Danielson and John Moxley as well. He plugged Wheeler Utah versus John Moxley and Trent Beretta versus Brian Danielson on Rampage Friday. Regal said he feels sorry for Beretta. He said Yuta has impressed him and Brian greatly, but now he has to impress John Moxley. Moxley said the forecast for Friday is the sound of bones cracking like thunder and raining blood. When I hear raining blood, I think of Slayer raining blood. Maybe we see that. I don't know. Maybe maybe John Moxley should come out to... uh, Slayer next week, just to kind of add to the ambiance of what he said here. I'd love to see that. Sean Spears. Sean Spears, the chairman, Sean Spears versus Captain Sean Dean. You know, Sean Spears is incredibly underrated in the role he plays, man. A lot of people online think that Sean Spears is a lackey and a jobber and a loser and He doesn't really do much of anything. He's not a valued addition to the entire MJF pinnacle act. Sean Spears is fantastic, man. I remember when Sean Spears should have been the NXT champion. They didn't really go and do that. I remember when Sean Spears came out in his first Royal Rumble at number 10, and WWE from that point on dropped the fucking ball with him. Couldn't believe they dropped the ball with somebody that was so fucking over. He went to AEW. He tried his hand a little bit. But I honestly think after everything we've seen from Sean Spears up until what we see now, he is in a role that he is perfecting with MJF. He is great. He plays the smarmy, sniveling, slimy fucking associate so well. He's so great at what he does. Captain Sean Dean, if you guys remember, he got a victory over MJF Thanks to CM Punk. So now he's back on AEW Dynamite looking for another win 
and continuing his dynamite win streak. Sean Spears sat on the stage. He was doing his whole entrance. Got the towel over his head. He's the chairman. Got the chair. He then made his way to the ring with his chair in hand. And MJF makes his way to the stage. I love MJF tonight because he spit his gum. He came out on the stage, spit his gum at the cameraman, and then pretty much told him to fuck off. Great. So fans are chanting Wardlow, Wardlow, Wardlow. There are more Wardlow signs that are hanging on the ringside barricades alerting the security that Wardlow is banned from the arena and this, at that, that this man should not be allowed in the venue. So we get this match, and it really didn't last all that long because this was all about MJF and Wardlow. So Spears took care of Dean right away. Dean eventually came back with some chops, and he started to make a little bit of a babyface comeback here. Spears hit a pump handle neckbreaker that looked vicious, which would have gotten him the win. He went for a very easy cover. Referee counts two, and he lifts the hair off the mat, lifts the shoulders off the mat, and MJF starts yelling on the microphone, that's right, Spears, that's right, Spears, you play with your food. You play with your food. So Sean Spears getting cocky when he could have put the captain away with that neck break. So Spears then set up for C4, and all of a sudden the cameras cut backstage. We see security staff laid out in the back. Obviously, we knew who this was. One guy is laid out on the floor. The other guy is propped up against a fucking garage door as if he's completely dead. And all of a sudden, we see Wardlow making his way into the arena. He manhandled every security guard that walked in front of him, throwing people left and right, threw one guy into another garage door like a fucking lawn dart, did Wardlow. He finally made his way into the arena. And people went crazy. People went crazy for Wardlow when he walked into the arena and walked into the live audience. There was some fucking geek in the back who got his uh, face on TV. He looked like Sami Zayn. He had two beers in his hand. Wardlow has all these security guards coming at him, takes one out, takes another one out, takes another and throws him into the barricade, knocks the barricade completely over as he makes his way to the ringside area. And then all of a sudden we see some bigger security guards come in and manhandle Wardlow away from the ring. This obviously distracted Sean Spears and the captain. He got the roll up off of a distracted Spears for an upset. One, two, three. MJF was pissed off. MJF was yelling at the security guards to do their job. Wardlow went from angry to smiling and he waved goodbye as if he intended on all of that happening. Sean Spears got the loss here to Sean uh, Sean Dean and that was it. So at the end of the match, MJF gets into the ring and they're all upset and that's the way the segment goes off the air. This is fantastic stuff. It really is fantastic stuff. Tony Khan is booking Wardlow in a way where he's booking to Wardlow's entire persona. Perfect. Wardlow, you you take a look at Wardlow, and Tony Khan is booking him like he sees Wardlow, like anybody sees Wardlow. Wardlow is an ass-kicking machine, man. He's a fucking beast. 
He's over here manhandling security guards, throwing security guards left and right. He's defying all of the signs and MJF's pleas. Do not let this man in the arena. This man is banned from the arena. And he makes his way into the arena every single time we see these signs. Last week, the signs were on a piece of fucking office paper. This time, the signs were on big fucking poster board hanging on the barricade. So the signs are getting bigger every week because MJF's getting a little bit more nervous every week. And the reaction to Wardlow is getting a little bit more greater every week as well. Tony Khan, he's done magic with a lot of different people, man. Darby is a superstar. Jake Cargill is on her way to becoming a superstar. Jungle Boy, Sammy Guevara, you name it, man. MJF, Tony Khan, you see where his values lie, man. You see what he's trying to do. He's trying to build AEW for the future. Wardlow is going to be a part of that future. Wardlow is getting so over right now that it starts to remind me week by week of what WCW started to do with Goldberg. The Wardlow chants are eerily similar to what we heard when Goldberg started to get hot and he started to win all those matches on his way to eventually beating Hulk Hogan at the Georgia Dome in front of 40,000 people on WCW Nitro. If there's one thing that Tony Khan has done more perfect than anything outside of MJF, it is Wardlow. This is amazing. This is the type of disrupting the system. This is what I call it. It's a disruption of the system. It's somebody who is being booked to go against everything that is being thrown at him and find a way. And in Wardlow's way, it's fucking, I'm going to beat the shit out of everybody until I get my fucking hands around your neck type of way that the people love. And Tony Khan knows that and he's booking that and this storyline to Wardlow's strengths. When he gets his hands on MJF, it is going to be one of the biggest reactions that AEW sees all year. This is fantastic. Fantastic. I can't wait to see these two get in the ring. Wardlow is going to be the next. Everybody knows it. Everybody says it. I'm not the only one that says it. Wardlow, with with this current trajectory, is going to be the next big thing in AEW. And you can't take anything away from MJF. MJF is great. We all know MJF is fantastic, but... Just the way he is and how over as a heel he is and the heat he gets. That is also playing a factor in how over Wardlow is as well. So don't take anything away from MJF. MJF is just as big of uh, of a part of this as Wardlow is. It is beautiful magic that is being shown and showcased by Tony Khan on our televisions, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. This is the power of long-term booking. These guys have been together for how long? Wardlow and MJF have been attached by the hip ever since Wardlow got to AEW. Look at where we are now. Look at where we are now. If that isn't long-term booking and the power of long-term booking, then I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here. Love it. Tony Schiavone, who's going to interview Wheeler Yuta backstage when Chuck Taylor, Orange Cassidy, and Trent Beretta approached. Chuck said he understands that he wants to be the best wrestler he can be, but he can do that with them. He said they love him and they help train him and he used to live on their couch. I bought you those tights, man, said Chuck Taylor. Trent said, I don't love him. I think he's a scumbag and a traitor. He's a turncoat. 
He told him to watch what he does against Danielson. Learn from the guys you're turning your back on. That doesn't sound like uh, Trent is going to have a good night against Danielson. Trent shoved Wheeler. Chuck stepped in between them. Wheeler told him not to touch him. So it looks like we may be getting a Trent Beretta versus Wheeler Uta match at some point down the line. And with Wheeler Uta winning the pure Ring of Honor championship, I said it on Friday, it may have opened up William Regal's eyes with what he get with, with what he did against Josh Woods on Friday night. And it looks like I was right in that assessment because Wheeler Uta with winning that championship is now getting a match against the guy that William Regal said is almost damn near impossible to impress. And that is John Moxley. So he's already wrestled Brian, and it was a breakout performance for Willie Uta. Willie Uta went on to go win the pure, the pure Championship at Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, and now he's back on AEW television going up against John Moxley. Man, Willie Uta is having the best month of his entire life right now. It's going to be very interesting to see, man. Willie Uta, man, going places. Sammy Guevara. He came out and helped with a commercial break. And this is what Sammy Guevara has been reduced to on television with his girlfriend, Tay Conti. They are holding up cue cards during a commercial, man. But I don't think really anybody has a problem with that because I think the general consensus is that I think everybody is kind of sick of Sammy Guevara and Tay Conti's relationship being blasted everywhere in the most obnoxious and cringe-like ways that I don't think people really, I don't think people really care that this is the role that he's kind of settled into now. Doesn't bother me one bit. Doesn't bother me at all. But I do hope at some point, Sammy and Tay, and Jesse and I talked about this, kind of say, fuck you to everybody and end up going heel. It may actually work out better for him. At least at that point, we have a reason to fucking care about them. They showed a clip of Eddie Kingston throwing a flat screen TV backstage. And this was all in an attempt to get at Chris Jericho as he and the rest of the Jericho Appreciation Society ran out of the building and fled in an SUV because Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz were throwing TVs and wanting to get their hands on all members of the Jericho Appreciation Society. So they ran out of the building and never came back. They were not on the show tonight. So that was a nice little addition to the overall storyline arc here. We don't need to see Jericho on TV every week. We don't need to see them cut the same promo every week. So a week off of television where we don't physically see them on TV in the ring and cutting a promo and going over all the same usual shit, it's nice to see that they gave them the week off to let the storyline and the angle breathe. So obviously this all led to Eddie Kingston and his boys, Santana and Ortiz, coming out, and they marched to the ring. Fans were chanting for Eddie, and he said he'll go after Jericho even if he's with his wife and his kids. He says, Danny Garcia, bro, I know where you live. You don't think I'll show up at your fucking doorstep and kick your ass? Santana takes the microphone, Ortiz takes the microphone. They both challenge them to a six-man tag team match next week. So I'm assuming it's going to be Jericho and 2.0, or Danny Garcia and 2.0, against Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz. 
Excalibur was wondering if the Jericho Appreciation Society is going to accept this, this offer. And Ross said, I don't think they have a choice. They will get in the ring whether they like it or not because Eddie Kingston is not going to accept anything less. So I don't know how you guys feel about this. I feel like Eddie Kingston and Jericho and Santana Ortiz have been feuding with 2.0 for a very long time. When does it end? How do we end this? Now, I get we just started this because Jericho left his boys in the dust. He turned on Eddie Kingston after promising to shake his hand after the great match that they had at Revolution, but he only left them in the dust to join the people that they were feuding with. So he got new boys, he got new group going on here with the Jericho Appreciation Society, new group of guys. When does it end? How does it end? How does it come to its conclusion? I think we need those Shredo championships, man. I honestly do think that, you know, enough of the stalling, we need the trio championships. If the trio championships were on the line in something like this, it would automatically enhance what's going on here because not only would they have a reason to fight because they're angry about the betrayal. They're angry that Jericho, you know, ended up being a fucking prick to all three of them. He left the inner circle in the dust. But you'd have the trio championships on the line as well. And I think that would really take everything to the next level. That's just my opinion there. We need those trio championships because it's going to make everything that's happening on TV a little bit more important in situations like this. Tony Schiavone introduced Jade Cargill. She came out and she uh, walked on the stage with smart Mark Sterling. Schiavone asked her about her chance to win her 30th match in 30 tries. She's undefeated. She said that there is no way that she wants to talk about that now. She wants to formally there uh, be there to introduce her baddie section. She's got a, a baddie section in all of the arenas that she goes to. So she didn't want to talk about the 30 win streak. She wants to talk about her baddies sitting front row. So they showed about a, a half a dozen women in the crowd all dressed up and they were all uh, you know, smoozing for the camera. They were there front row. She called the fans fat slobs. She calls all the fans fat slobs. I'm, I'm assuming that's what they, they really think of all the degenerate wrestling fans out there that pester them on social media. They're nothing but fat fucking virgins and slobs. It's probably half of a shoot if you really want to break it down from Jade Cargill. Sterling said it was difficult to find good-looking women in Boston, but Jade didn't give up. Sterling then said Marina Shafir might be a badass, but she's no baddie that's good enough for Jade's baddie section. She said she's tired of MMA rejects coming onto her show. Sterling said he was concerned, given her resume, and that she calls herself the problem. Jane says, I don't give a shit what Marina Shafield calls herself. She wants to call herself the problem? Well, you can call me the fucking problem solver. It's a good one. I like that. I like that a lot, man. Jade... Jesse and I have been very hard on Jade, and not because we dislike Jade. And all of that's hard feeling and kind of critiquing her is slowly going away. You know, she's gotten better in the last couple of efforts that we've seen in the ring. 
Where I'm really seeing her excel from my fans' point of view is in the promo. She's starting to carry herself like a legit superstar. She already looked the part. The glasses and the green hair and all the fucking, you know, really great outfits that she wears. She she obviously is very confident. That confidence just kind of oozes through your television. You see that on television. You always ask yourself, well, who the fuck is that? She looks great. She's got to be one of the best things on this show. If you didn't watch AEW Dynamite and you picked up the remote control and you saw Jade Cargill on your TV without knowing who the fuck Jade Cargill was, I guarantee you, you would look at that television and you wouldn't go anywhere else until that segment was over. That's what she does. And Tony Khan knows it. But the one thing that I've really noticed about her progression and her growth is the way she carries herself. You go watch a Jade Cargill promo from six, nine months ago. 12 months ago, go watch something from a year ago and tell me that this woman has not progressed. I don't know what she's doing or who she's learning from or what Brian is telling her and how many different voices she has in her her ears every single week. But the thing that I notice is, is that confidence is growing. And if she didn't want to get better, we wouldn't see her getting better. I've watched plenty of wrestling in my life to see people who should be at a bigger level, at a higher level, that just don't get there, that refuse to put in the work, they get complacent of uh, of the work because of where they are. Oh, I'm here and management loves me and this and that. It'd be very easy for Jade to say, oh, Tony Khan loves me. I could just go out there and fucking get by with what I, with what I have and the way I look. If Jade is progressing and there is a a feeling and, and, a, and, a, and a, a whole thing about her and you see and you feel on television that she's getting better. What does that say about her work ethic? What does that say about her as an individual? She doesn't want to stink it up in the ring. Everybody, she know, she hears the criticisms. To go and work on what everybody is critiquing her on and you see that on television, that goes to show you the level of commitment from Jay Cargill and that's something I can appreciate. I love that. And it's one of the many reasons why I loved the black and gold. I loved NXT for that. Everybody that came in, I loved watching their journey from the ground up to get to that takeover stage and be a face of the brand that Triple H relied on to ultimately get buried on the main roster. And then we all get disappointed and then we all fucking bitch and moan on social media. Jade Cargill is doing the same thing, man. She's getting better. And to me, watching that type of journey progress and grow right in front of your very eyes is one of the most redeeming things about why I watch professional wrestling. I love it. So kudos to her. Alex Marvez interviews Sean Spears. He was with MJF. Spears said Wardlow is pissing up the wrong tree. First of all, Marvez mentioned Wardlow by name. And then MJF's, no, wait, no we, we don't mention his name around here. Pig. Keeps calling Wardlow a pig. Piggy, little piggy. MJF prayed that Wardlow shows his face next week because there will be twice as many security guards. MJF then challenged Sean Dean to a match next week. He mocked his saluting gestures and said he was a military man and said he'll earn him a purple heart after he injures the military man next week on AEW Dynamite. What a fucking dick MJF is, huh? He's going to take his anger out on shore, uh, on uh, poor Sean Dean. 
And here we thought Sean Dean was on a winning streak. He's ultimately going to hit a wall called MJF next week on Dynamite. We're getting into hour two here, man. We're getting into hour two, and we're going to go over the Hardys and the Butcher and Blade and the mess that was this tables match. Got a lot to say about all of this coming up in just a little bit. I want to thank you guys for joining me solo here on AEW Dynamite and the Off the Script post show because normally I'm here with Jesse. Some of you may or may not like that, but Jesse's in the chat. I see his wife is on his way home. I didn't really want to divulge his information, but nothing serious. His wife was uh, on her way to the hospital and they had a little scare and everything is all good. So obviously that is much more of a priority than doing the podcast tonight. So Jesse will be back next week and you guys can watch Jesse on AEW Dark and his live streams and his live reactions on his YouTube channel. Just go find him on YouTube, Chi-Town Smart. Just look that up on YouTube and you'll find Jesse if you guys are into that type of thing. And we wish him the best, man. He'll be back on Wednesday. Hit that thumbs up, guys. I see Andrew 869 likes in the chat. Let's get a 1,000 minimum on the podcast. Get your super chats in. We'll hang out at the end of the show with some cold beverages. Hit that join button, become VIPs. You guys can sit right back there with me. Always great to be to be a VIP right here on Off the Script, man. You guys get those emotes in the chat. You guys get those badges next to your name. And your first round. And if I like you, your second round is on me. Today's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Honey. Join honey.com slash off the scripts. Thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is now a thing of the past. I love shopping online, man. I built this entire operation at home by shopping online and shopping with Honey, man. I save money on everything to give you guys the best podcast in the IWC. And I love saving money. Honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. They support over 30,000 stores online. They range from sites like tech, gaming products, popular fashion brands, and even food delivery. Now imagine you're shopping online on one of your favorite sites and you go to checkout and the Honey button drops down from your browser. All you have to do is click Apply Coupons. You wait a few seconds. Honey searches for coupons that I could find for that site, and you guys are going to watch the prices drop. Now, normally, what I do every week, because I don't buy tech every week, otherwise I'd be in the poorhouse, but I shop online for my fur babies every week. I get them their favorite food. I get them their favorite toys. I get them their favorite treats, cat beds. You name it, man. I get everything to make them happy, to keep them healthy and happy. And I use all that saving because of honey. I save money using honey, man. Honey's found over 17 million members, over $2 billion in savings. So why not you, man? If you're not using honey, you're straight up missing out. So download it for free. Join honey.com slash off the script. That's joinhoney.com slash off the script. And as you guys always know, man, I don't use anything that I don't think you guys could also use in return. I would never recommend anything that I don't use. So awesome. And thank you guys for always supporting me and my sponsors right here 
on off the script. The Hardys, man. The Hardy boys are back together in AEW. And they had a match tonight. Tables match with the Butcher and the Blade. Now, I knew it was a tables match. And normally from me watching pro wrestling for as long as I have, a tables match usually is when someone goes through a table, the match is over. They didn't really specify what the ruling of this match was. And a lot of people were confused when Jeff Hardy went through a table and the match seemingly continued on Wednesday Night Dynamite. Even Excalibur sounded a little fugazi on commentary, and he didn't even know what the rules were. He sounded lost on commentary when Jeff Hardy went through the table. There were a lot of situations in this match that looked very ugly. It did not look good at all. And this ended up being a Texas Tornado-style match, elimination match. So if one guy goes through a table and he's eliminated... So this ended up being a tag team elimination match. AEW usually kills it with these crazy balls-to-the-wall type carnage chaos matches. This may have been one of the worst no-DQ crazy matches that they've done since they've started AEW. This completely was unnecessary, and it was one big botch. There were a lot of tables already in the ring because Butcher and Blade, they threw tables in the ring and then they took another table from underneath the ring and they ripped the legs off the table and wanted to use the legs as weapons when the Hardys came down. Hardys got a big reaction in Boston. Hardys hit a double DDT on Butcher in the ring. They set up Butcher on a table and Jeff set up to dive through it, but the Blade popped up and pushed Jeff down. They kind of put Jeff through the table. Not really. The table folded down. The table did not break. He did not go through the table. He went on the table, and the table collapsed in the middle of the ring. So I don't know if that even constitutes as an elimination because Jeff was not put through the table. They didn't really establish the ruling of this match. So they go to commercial break. Everybody seemed a little bit lost. Once back from break, Matt drove Butcher through a table with an elbow drop. Butcher is now out of the match. It's just now down to Matt Hardy and the Blade. Butcher didn't care, though. Butcher did not care. When Butcher got eliminated, he continued to go on with the match and do a two-on-one with Blade against Jeff Hardy. So I have to ask my... I have to ask you guys, and I have to ask Tony Khan, I gotta ask AEW management, if, if Butcher was eliminated and he got eliminated only to go to the outside and continue the match in a two-on-one fashion, why was it an elimination match? It should have just ended up being when one guy goes through the table, the match is over. They pretty much told you what the rules are going to be. We had to find out what the rules were going to be by Jeff Hardy going through a table, kind of, and getting eliminated. The commentary team didn't know what the fucking rules are. We had to find out it was an elimination match by that botch with Jeff Hardy, only to find the butcher get eliminated and then continue the match as if it was not an elimination match. So I got to ask, why wasn't this match a regular tag team match and no eliminations? None of it made sense. 
None of it made sense whatsoever. A huge F, rare F for AEW. So Butcher is out there helping Blade with Matt Hardy. So they continue to work on Matt Hardy together. And Butcher and Blade tried to superplex Matt through a table that they set up by the timekeeper's area. So this was disastrous. This could have been disastrous. Blade, who was already wrestling and sweating, and obviously there's sweat in the ring, there's sweat on the outside. He's got the wrestling boots on. He stands on top of the barricade as if he is a fucking stuntman trying to hold his balance Matt Hardy is over the barricade in the crowd. He obviously has help from Butcher here. They try and suplex him from the top of the barricade, up over the barricade, and through the table. They wanted to win the match. So they do the suplex, they execute the suplex, and there's no table there. There's no table there. Where'd the table go? All of a sudden, we see the camera pan over to Jeff Hardy, who's right over to the left side of what was going on here, and he moved the the table away from the camera's vantage point. Again, I gotta ask, why was this an elimination match? They were all still out there, and it's no DQ. So why was it an elimination match? Butcher was still out there, and Jeff was still out there up until the match was over. So Matt... He is blasted on the outside with this suplex. Everybody's selling the effects of being suplexed on the outside on the mat. Jeff and Matt then both hit Twist of Fates on Blade. Jeff hit a modified one. Matt hit the real thing on the outside. Jeff pulled out a huge ladder from underneath the ring. He climbed it. He set it up. He climbed it. And Blade is on a table. They set up two tables side to side, back to back. Blade is on the table. He climbs this thing. He stands on the top of the ladder. He's wobbly, and he's looking to get his footing on the top of the ladder. He he doesn't even jump off. He fucking just falls off, and he does this big swanton bomb on Blade through the table, and this is what gets the win for the Hardy Boys. So I have to ask, Jeff was eliminated. Jeff was eliminated in this match. But Jeff went up the ladder, did the swanton bomb, and then jumped off, put Blade through the table, and somehow the Hardy Boys won. So the guy that was eliminated that wasn't in the match anymore, who got put through a table, per se, won the match for them. All over the place. It was kind of embarrassing, to be honest with you the lack of rules and attention to detail in this match. Why? Did Jeff really go through the table earlier in the match? Was he eliminated or was he not eliminated? Nobody knows. Now, these are the things that I keep an eye on. Like, I'm not an idiot. Like, I'm not, I'm not one of these fucking dumb fucking fans that sits there, yeah, the Hardys, yeah, right? I'm not sitting there. I'm watching him taking notes on my fucking iPad. I'm watching the fucking show. And I'm asking myself, how does this make sense? Like, I'm thinking to myself, if I got a wrestling promotion and this was brought to me as a way to, you know, get the Hardys and Butcher and Blade in a tables match and, and I'm looking over the fucking line sheet of what, what they're going to do, 
And I look at this shit. Nobody asks if this makes sense. Mind-numbingly, mind-boggling stupid this was. And I don't usually shit on AEW, but I'm done with the fucking chaos and these tables matches. I don't want to sit here and tell you the Hardy Boys nostalgia, the, the, the Hardy Boys reunion, or whatever the fuck everybody is crazy about the Hardy Boys. I don't want to sit here and tell you that they're already doomed in AEW. But I don't think they're getting off on the wrong on the right foot. I think they're getting off on the wrong foot. After that big pop that they got and that big Batman fucking dive off the building in Texas that Jeff Hardy did, that was great. That was a great fucking match. That was a fun TV-style Texas Tornado match. This shit did not make any sense. I get that Tony Khan is excited. I get that Tony Khan is fucking probably jumping for joy that he's got one of the best tag teams in the Hardy Boys in his company. But that doesn't mean you have to get the Hardy Boys in your company and all of a sudden start booking them as if they're fucking 1990 fucking Hardy Boys. Give me a break. It's not going to work that way. The Hardys are banged up. The Hardys are even... Uh, Matt Hardy is lucky he can even fucking walk. Jesus Christ. Jeff is banged up. You got this guy jumping off 30-foot fucking ladders two weeks in a row. Tonight, going through another table to the concrete through another human being. Why? You brought the Hardy Boys into AEW to fucking have them jump off ladders? I don't want to see them jump off ladders. I don't want to see Matt Hardy do anything ladder-related after the fucking incident we saw him jumping off a fucking crane. Remember that? With Sammy Guevara? I don't want to see nothing like that again. You got the Hardy Boys in AEW for one reason and one reason only, and that is tag team wrestling. The Hardys are known for their ladders and their stunts and their fucking no fear. Can we go and do something a little differently? Get the Hardy Boys in the ring and let's start this reunion off on the right foot. Wrestling. Get them in the ring and show everybody why they were the, one of the best tag teams ever. Seriously. Time to get them on the road to gold. Not going through fucking tables every week. It's going to get boring very quickly. And it's already kind of leading down that road. I don't want to see it ever again. After the match was over, the AHFO came out. They walked out to the ring. Don't know why. This is another thing that needs to go away completely. Andrade came out. The bunny, Alex, the assistant, was there. Private Party was there. Sting's music played. He came up from behind them on the ramp and bashed Private Party with his bat. He threatened Andrade. Andrade positioned Bunny in between them because Sting is not going to hit a lady, right? So Andrade doing the one thing that is completely a prick move. Using the female as deflection. Oh, you're not going to hit me. I got a female guarding me. She's my protector. So it looks like this feud is still not over. I don't know why. More Andrade and Darby, please. The rest can go away. Backstage, Christian and Jungle Boy with Luchasaurus were standing by. Christian looked frustrated, threw a water bottle in the distance and stormed off in the middle of the promo. Jungle Boy made fun of O'Reilly and Fish, including mocking their dumbass cauliflower ears. And we got Jungle Boy saying that they are tired of them sticking their noses in their business week after week after week. So, you know... I know the rankings are usually the way to do things, but 
We are going to put our titles on the line against you because we're sick and tired of you. And that's going to happen next week for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, Jurassic Express. They are still Jurassic Express to me, minus uh, Marco Stunt over there against Red Dragon next week for the AEW Tag Team Championships should be another barn burner of a tag team match. Shivani stood with Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm. Everybody's looking forward to this match. I wonder why. Chat, why are you looking forward to this match? Is it because that Tony Storm is a fantastic professional wrestler and Jamie Hayter is a physical professional wrestler and you think that their styles will mesh completely, right? You think their styles are going to be great together, right? Why is, why is there such a fever pitch for this match? I'm trying to put my finger on it, man. I can't, I can't you know, really, really understand why this match is so exciting to you guys. Seriously. I, I Listen, I, I know more so than anybody that uh, Tony Storm is going to be um, <coughs> an asset to the AEW women's division. Jamie Hayter is a great asset. To the women's division. But what, what is the, the reason behind it? See, I need to know. You guys got to fill me in, man. I'm an, old, I'm an old timer. I just turned 40 this year, man. I got gray in the beard. I don't know what's going on, man. I don't. Anyway. Uh, they're there with uh, Tony Schiavone, and he thanked them for agreeing to no physicality. He said they might end up facing each other later in the tournament. Hater slapped Tony's hand aside when she went to go shake hands, and said that her star power and momentum stops with her. She said that she deserves to win. Tony called her sweetheart and said, this is only the beginning. I don't know, man. Looks like we may be getting uh, a pretty damn good match between Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter. Should be good. Julia Hart. She came out with Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison. She went one-on-one with Hikaru Shida tonight in a qualifying match for the Owen Hart Foundation's women's side of the tournament. Julia Hart came down with uh, the Varsity Blondes and quickly, rather quickly, the Varsity Blondes were kicked out of the ringside area. Not by the referee, not by the official, but by Julia Hart herself. Now, Julia Hart is wearing that eye patch over her eye. It's her left eye. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but the blackness of the eye is not getting any better, folks. The blackness of the eye, or whatever the eye issue is, it doesn't seem to be, quote-unquote, healing. Julia Hart's cheek, right underneath her eye, the left eye, right, right about over here, is all dark and man it looks black and blue. Now, unless Becky Kinch, Be- Becky Kinch, Becky Lynch kicked Julia Hart in the eye at WrestleMania, I don't know why she would have a black eye underneath the eye patch. So the mist from Malachi seems to be working wonders on poor Julia Hart. Now, why the attitude issue? Why did Julia Hart have this attitude issue? She got really nasty with the Varsity Blondes, man. Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. kicked out. Get out. Get out. She did one of these hand gestures. You get out. Now, why is she angry? Is she angry because she wants to get more piece of the action on Jesse? 
Like she doesn't really like Jesse and his tacos. Maybe Jesse made her some really, really, really bad guacamole. And she's upset about this. Maybe she actually enjoys sour cream on her tacos. I, I don't know. I have to dig deeper into this, man. A full-fledged investigation needs to be had. I don't understand why the sweet girl next door, Julia Hart, all of a sudden is getting nasty with the two guys that have always really stood by her side. So I'm very curious, all playing aside, all joking aside, uh, I'm really I'm really interested to see where Julia Hart goes with this, man. This is Tony Khan's, it's his turn to do something that involves something similar to what Alexa Bliss was going through when Alexa was paired with The Fiend. Alexa was, you know, still the girl next door, still the pretty blonde, and she succumbed to The Fiend, ultimately kind of, you know, feeding off of his energy and feeding off of his power, right? This is the same thing with Julia Hart. Could we see Julia Hart turn into something similar that's minus the fucking cheesy bullshit, minus the fucking fireballs and the fucking lighting ceiling, the lighting fixtures falling from the ceiling? I don't want to see any of that shit, but this could be Tony Khan's chance to kind of show WWE how to tell something similar of a story and do it right. So I'm very curious to see what happens here with Julia Hart and her maybe joining the House of Black, which, by the way, Brody King got himself into a little trouble with the fucking ghouls on social media, claiming that Edge and Damian Priest and whoever else they want to bring into this faction, by the way, who are rumored to be Tommaso Ciampa and Rhea Ripley, which is great. I love uh, I love Ciampa, Rhea Ripley not so much, but I do think that she does need a reset, that working with Edge could be that reset, would be great for her. But... He got in trouble by the ghouls on social media. He had to go on social media and say, listen, people, I was only joking. It's only a joke. Was it really a joke or was it uh, meant to be a shoot in the time that it was tweeted? But then he got all the heat for it and then got, uh, gone on social media and had to say it was a joke. He said something along the lines of Edge and Damian Priest are a bargain basement house of black that you'd find on Wish.com. I, I get it. I get it, but at the end of the day, I mean, who is Brody King to be talking about BargainBasementWish.com? I mean, this gimmick and this kind of feud and this kind of uh, group or faction, rather, has been done to death. Everything really is just another take on the brood, and everything is just another take on the Ministry of Darkness. Edge and what he's doing is a take on his days with the brood and the Ministry of Darkness. Malachi Black is his own take, his own creative take on the Ministry of Darkness. Nobody's original anymore. It is very it is very rare you see something original in pro wrestling. So I think everybody kind of blew that out of proportion. I honestly think everybody's a little fucking foolish for getting upset about it. House of Black is an imitation, and so is Edge. And what he's doing right now is an imitation. You're all imitations. I don't see why people got to get upset about it. Just do your thing and let them do their thing. Julia Hart, though. Very excited about where this is going. Uh, this wasn't a bad match at all. Nice to see Sheeta back on television as well. And uh, obviously, Sheeta got the victory here over Julia Hart. It would have been nice to see Julia Hart in the Owen Hart Foundation tournament. But uh, that is not going to happen. Heart attack, Sheeta before the belt, choked her with her varsity jacket. She leader, Julia Hart, choking Sheeta with her varsity jacket. So the blonde tried to calm her down and talk to her. 
She didn't want them there, sent them to the back. She'd have counted a cartwheel kick and hit a rising knee and a big boot. They spill out to the floor. Sheeta hit her signature dropkick, leaping off the chair, uh, which is not a disqualification because she didn't actually use the chair physically. She just used it as a a jumping mechanism. Hart cut her off upon re-entry to the ring, hit a nice-looking DDT for a quick cover there. Uh, Sheeta came back with some big fists, some big forearms, vertical suplex. She followed her up with an outside-in suplex for two. Hart then gouged Sheeta's eyes, Hit a bulldog. Could have been a little bit more impactful on the bulldog. Not going to really dock points on that, but it is what it is. Sheeta avoided a top rope dive. Came back in with a elbow smash. Falcon Arrow is what finished it off. And that was it for Hikaru Sheeta. One, two, three. Falcon Arrow gets the job done. After the match is over, Serena Deeb, she's in the ring with a steel chair. And Sheeta has her kendo stick. And they have a stare down and a stalemate. They kind of circle each other. None of them swing their weapons, but Sheeta backs down, and Deeb, she's standing there kind of licking her chops and smiling. Don't worry, bitch. I'm going to get you. So we may actually see this match like I had predicted in the tournament, and that should square away anything that these two women still have left on the table. I do think that their final match will be a match that takes place in this t- deep into the tournament. And I don't know who's going to go over, so we'll see what happens there with Serena Deeb and Hikaru Shida. But more Deeb on my television is always a good thing. Marvez interviewed Swerve Strickland about being at the Grammys on Sunday. Who, by the way, they did not do anything in regards to Joey Jordison of Slipknot, who passed away last year. Uh, they didn't memorize, uh, memorialize him at the Grammys, but uh, everybody else that had passed, and just recently, the drummer for the Foo Fighters who passed away, God rest his soul, uh, they were all memorialized at the Grammys, but uh, Joey Jordison, a Slipknot. Nothing. Kind of lame. But the Grammys are not really taken all that seriously. I mean, who the fuck watches the Grammys? The Grammys are uh, a fucking uh, useless award. Nobody gives a shit about the Grammys anymore. And by that act... I don't see why anybody would ever give a shit about the Grammys. But all that aside, Swerve was at the Grammys, and that was on Sunday. They showed photos of him on the red carpet. He talked about what had happened to uh, him and Keith Lee on Rampage. He said he hasn't forgotten about it. He said he has things that he has to do and left. So he goes into his locker room, and all of a sudden, Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs, they run in, jump him from behind, Keith Lee all of a sudden gets involved, and we get all four of these guys brawling in the locker room. This all ends with Keith Lee shoulder-charging Will Hobbs through a fucking wall that goes into the next locker room next door. And the crowd fucking ood and odd over the display of power by Keith Lee on Will Hobbs. Nice stuff there, man. Really good-looking spot there. Wild spot. FTR, main event. Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler versus the Young Bucks. This is Matt and Nick Jackson. Brandon Cutler's out there. Ring of Honor tag team title match. Triple A tag team title match. Winner take all. Ring of Honor ring announcer Bobby Cruz did the ring introductions. 
And they gave these two teams a lot of time on the main event spot for Dynamite. This was great. This was great. It will probably go down as one of the best AEW Dynamite main events all year. We only get 52 of them. So this will definitely be in the discussion for one of the very best of the entire year when the end of the year comes. This was better than their last match, I think. I think it was better than their last match. And I believe their last match was at Full Gear 2020, if I'm not mistaken, or was it in Daly's place? Might have been at, it might have been, maybe Amy, Full Gear 2020 was at Daly's place. So it was at Daly's place. So we got that, and I think it was a little bit better than their last match. As far as the comparison between this and the Briscoes, this was not better than the match that FTR had with the Briscoes at Ring of Honor. I mean, that's on a planet of its own. I can't even I can't even tell you right now which I thought was better between that at Ring of Honor on Friday and the Bucks versus Page and Omega at Revolution. So FTR right now, no matter how you want to swing it, no matter how you want to swing it, they are right now probably the best tag team in the world. And it's it's a long time coming that they're finally getting their their fucking flowers. And their credit. They've been so great for so long, but you never really seen it or realized it. Why? Because they were on AEW. Because they were a heel team. All you need is one match like the one that they had with the Briscoes that gets everybody talking. And that's exactly what that match did. It took them to the next level. It took the Briscoes, who are one of the, arguably, one of the best tag teams on the planet as well, in that discussion, it took FTR and the Briscoes to the next level in tag team wrestling. And they were already at a high level. The Young Bucks are up there as well. AEW's mission statement right from the very beginning is tag team wrestling. You're going to see a lot of tag team wrestling in the main event on Dynamite. That was one of the first things that the mission statement had been about. Tag team wrestling. I love this. This is exactly what I want to see in every fucking promotion. This is exactly what I want to see on Monday and Friday night. We don't get it. But this is what I want every week. Tag team wrestling. A great tag team division is better for everybody. FTR is fantastic. Their babyface run is already on the road to being a thumbs up run. The crowd was so into them tonight. And they're going to continue getting those reactions Because their body of work speaks for itself. This is their moment to show everybody that they are the best tag team in the world. Everybody, like me, knew that already. For the people that didn't know it, now you're seeing it. This was fantastic. Excellent, excellent main event. Cash and Matt started off and wrestled around. Cash landed a big shoulder block, forcing the Bucks to kind of take a step back and rethink their strategy. Dax and Nick tagged in. Nick was frustrated, threw his headband at Dax. Dax put the headband in his trunks and tossed it at Matt. Obviously, you knew what that meant. So they all faced off in the middle of the ring now, all four of these guys. After a little back-and-forth exchange, we got a big hockey fight. The Bucks isolated Dax and then Cash in the ring with a hip-toss-drop-kick combination. Cash fired up with a double clothesline. FTR one point. Put the Bucks in a simultaneous spy, um, sharpshooter. Not spine buster, sharpshooter. So there were simultaneous 
sharp shooters on the Young Bucks. The Bucks fought out, and they took cash, and they started isolating cash in their, por- their corner of the ring, and they were just going at him with offense. They continued to beat down cash through a commercial break. They were completely in control. We get back from commercial break. Cash tripped up Nick, sent Matt to the outside. He leapt to tag in Dax, and Nick floored Dax with a super kick. Some miscommunication here from the Young Bucks led to Matt running face-first into a barricade. This allowed Cash to tag in Dax Harwood. Dax ran wild on both Bucks, crowd eating it up, going crazy, suplexing one on top of the other. He cradled Matt for two, and then they exchanged more cradles back and forth. Dax hit a stuff pile driver, planting Matt Jackson right on his head for a very close near fall. Cash suplexed Nick on the apron. Dax swept out Matt's legs on top of the turnbuckle. Dax hit a powerplex or a superplex, but Nick stopped Cash follow-up with a springboard top rope Frankensteiner. So all four men are down in the ring. Bucks hit their bulldog dropkick combination, which looked perfect. Nick went on to do his signature offense. I always thought Nick Jackson has very explosive offense, man. Some of the best you'll see in a tag team element. Dax turned the moonsault into a brain buster on the floor. Cash hit a gory bomb in the ring for a near fall. So the referee is distracted here. The Bucks hit Cash with a low blow. So Nick distracted the official. So that led to the low blow spot. And they followed it up by hitting FTR with their own finishing move. They hit FTR with the big rig. The Briscoes did the same thing. And to no avail, they could not beat the, the FTR, the, the guys in FTR with their own move. The Briscoes could not win with Big Rig. Young Bucks did the same thing. They could not win with Big Rig. Bucks hit a 450 moonsault combination for another near fall. Nick picked up one of the Ring of Honor belts. Dax tried to pull it from him. Cash cradled Matt for a near fall, but then Cash took a belt shot inadvertently, and Matt rolled him up for the tights. It might have been on purpose, and if it was on purpose, I don't know how Rick Knox, the official, did not see that because it was right in front of his face. But Matt rolled him up for the pinfall, hooked the tights, and that forced Dax to break up what was a great near fall in this match. The Bucks then took care of Dax with double super kicks. Bucks set up for the BTE trigger, hit it on Cash. Cash's foot fell onto the rope, but Rick Knox counted a three, but he saw the foot on the bottom rope in the last split second. The bell rang. Bucks thought they won the match. Rick Knox says, no, 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 no. The match continues. So the bell rang. The official restarted the match. The Bucks set up for Meltzer Driver, but Dax interrupted it, and FTR hit a slingshot powerbomb tombstone combination. FTR then hit the BTE trigger and gave Matt a kiss on the cheek, a double kiss on the cheek like they do to Adam Cole, and then they got the big rig. One, two, three, and FTR retained the Ring of Honor, and AAA Tag Team Championships. Excellent main event. Excellent main event. FTR, man, loving this baby face run, loving what they're doing right now. They are as hot as they've ever been, as long as they've been on TV in a major wrestling promotion. They are operating on all cylinders right now. And I'm very much looking forward to what they have coming up. Next, I mean, they've beaten the Briscoes and they've beaten the Bucks. Who the fuck is next? Honestly, who is next for FTR? 
That's the question that I have. You can't get better than those two teams. You got three of the best tag teams on the planet all vying for the same thing, and FTR just beat the Briscoes and the Young Bucks in the same fucking week. It's unbelievable. And I always I always sit here and wonder, are people going to appreciate FTR? Now you're starting to appreciate what FTR brings to the table, how great they really are. And it seems like they're really... They're really enjoying this babyface run. And they're not really deviating away from who they are either. They're not acting like cheesy babyfaces. They're not out there fucking smiling like Braun Breaker was on Monday. They're not out there fucking shaking hands and waving and fucking doing this. And they're, they're fucking FTR. We've come to wrestle. We've come to beat you up and fucking kick your ass and keep our titles because we're the fucking best. They don't have to deviate away from that, man. People are going to gravitate to who they are because they enjoy who they are. And that is the most telling thing of all. The fact that they don't have to be something different. They don't have to change to being a fucking over-the-top, typical babyface. They could stay the way they are, and people still love who they are, like they did in Boston tonight. Awesome. But who the fuck is next? That's what I want to know. And is Bret Hart really going to come, man? Imagine Bret Hart coming to manage FTR, even after all this time, with how hot they are now, man. Can you imagine how hot they're going to be if Bret is in their corner? I still hope that's a possibility. I really do. This was an excellent episode of Dynamite, minus that Hardy Boys debacle of a match. Don't know why they even made it to television. Sloppy as fuck, but an excellent episode of Dynamite outside of that. And we got a, a lot coming up. Adam Page versus Adam Cole for the AEW Championship. We got... Red Dragon versus Jurassic Express coming up. We got Battle of the Belts coming up. A live rampage coming up that Tony Khan says he's going back to his roots on. Excellent stuff, man. Excellent stuff. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the review, man. Let me know what you think of everything that happened tonight via Super Chats, man. Get your Super Chats in. We're going to hang out in just a second. Thank you for the 2100 in the venue tonight. I appreciate you. It's been a long week. My voice is still not 100%. And we got more work to do tomorrow, man. Never stops here. Continue to hit that thumbs up, guys. We got 1,000 likes. I appreciate you very much. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. And make sure you guys go check out all the other videos that you might have missed, man. Tons of content. And check out my sponsor for today's show, man. Joinhoney.com slash off the scripts. There, uh, I mean, you guys want to save some money with honey? Go do that, man. Seriously, it's the best thing possible for you. If you want to shop online, you're going to save some money and a lot of it using honey. Joinhoney.com slash off the scripts. Let's get into the super chats. We're going to start at the top. Tony Brown with a 499 super chat. Sheeta is hot. She's a very attractive woman, Tony Brown. I have no doubt that you have great taste in the ladies. Michelle Moran with a $2 super chat. Think Paige gets another win over Cole next week? Yes, I do. I will say it again. If the match is happening next week on a live rampage and Battle of the Belts is happening on a Saturday, I don't know why the match is not happening at a Battle of the Belts. Which I'm assuming Battle of the Belts is taped. And I don't want I don't really want to watch a taped primetime wrestling show at 8 o'clock on a Saturday night. 
Joseph Taylor with a five-dollar super chat. Dynamite was amazing. Jesse, your tacos suck. Put some sour cream on it. And Jesse, is that Bill Goldberg behind you? Joseph Taylor, Jesse wasn't here tonight. And if Bill Goldberg was behind Jesse, I don't think Goldberg would be half of what Julia Hart would do to him. Just saying. MGM Bolin. You think Julia took a power drill to the eye with how long she's worn that patch? Maybe Jesse did something he hasn't told us about. Let me find out Jesse put his hands on Julia Hart, bro. I don't think my boy Lee Johnson's going to be too happy about that one. AEW Mark 2018 with a $2 super chat. Julia with black paint on the cheek. House of Black confirmed. Long-term booking, bro. Long-term booking. Justin becomes a new member. Justin sitting VIP right back there with all of you fucking crazy savages, man. Over 500 VIPs. The place to be. Thank you, Justin. What are you drinking, brother? Man of a thousand and five holds with a two dollar super chat. FTR is the best damn tag team right now. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree, bro. The NYC Demon Diva, my good friend Isa, becomes a new member. Isa, what are you drinking? Malibu and Coke. What are you drinking? Pina Colada. Want something a little, a little. Uh, a little harder than a pina colada? No, you don't drink Malibu and Coke. That's a Labar drink. I love my boy Labar, man. That's a pussy drink. Jesus Christ. Yeah, me and Labar got to go hit the bars again, man. We, we, we got to show him how it's done. All three of us. Issa with a $2 super chat. She says, in New York City for a few, if I don't see you, I'll be mad. That's that sums it up. Set something up. I got uh, a lot to do this weekend, uh, but sex on the beach. There you go. I, how, how could I forget a sex on the beach? Um, a little tied up this this week, but uh, hopefully, hopefully you're around next week. Maybe we'll do something. Esau with a Canadian two dollar super chat. Are you surprised there wasn't a peep about Cody Rhodes? No. Why would there be? Tony Khan does not need Cody Rhodes. Stop asking about Cody Rhodes on an AEW program. WWE needed Cody Rhodes. Tony Khan does not need Cody Rhodes. Tony Khan will be fine without Cody Rhodes. The guy with the animals with a $5 super chat finally tried some bullet bourbon and now I'm hooked. Cheers, dude. Listen, man, bullet bourbon is great. Not too alcohol forward. It's only a... 45% alcohol content. I think it's, uh... No, what is it? It's, uh, it's not, um... I forgot the proof. Let me, let me look it up now that I'm... That I'm on the internet. Bullet. Bullet bourbon. Proof. The reason I like it is it's, it's it's 90 proof. Yeah, it's at 45%. I was right. Uh, it's 90 proof. It's delicious. 
It's more of a flavor forward bourbon. So good on you, man. Thursday is usually my uh, my bourbon night, man. I, I sit down and I watch uh, Yellowstone and Ghost Adventures. With a nice glass of bourbon, bro. Roxas with a five-month membership. JD, what about a taco grudge between Thunder Rosa and Jesse at All Out Weekend? Loser has to eat a tub of sour cream. Bro, if I ever get Thunder Rosa in the same building as me, uh, there will be a video that comes from my phone from her about Jesse's tacos. I'm not sure we'll be able to get a match. She's too busy defending the AW Women's Championship. Thank you, Roxas, for the five-month commitment, bro. Summit Hussein becomes a new member. What are you drinking, brother? First round is on me. Omega Kong with a $100 super chat. Um, One of the mods in the chat. I'll leave it up to you, man, because it's too easy for me. Uh, get Micro out of here, bro. He named himself after his penis size. Micro, get out of the chat. There you go, Hooligram. I appreciate you, brother. I'm sorry you're uh, you're uh, not suitable in those areas, Micro. Just have your girl come over, man. I'll show her what uh, the real deal is about. And then we'll drink bullet bourbon to celebrate afterwards. Omega Kong with the $100 super chat. Thank you so much, bro. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money, man. Lots of wrestling events. Lots of changes in my life since my last bomb. And through it all, OTS and JD were right there. I appreciate you. Long-term booking is the key to life, by the way. I will be at Double or Nothing in Vegas. Hope you do a meet and greet there. Omega Kong. Omega Kong, listen. I am going to try my damnedest to be in Vegas, bro. There will be a meet and greet if we get to Vegas. The thing that's holding me back, and I'll know more next Friday because I'll be doing commentary with The Monster, Salamonster, at uh, House of Glory for their Tribulation show. I will find out if we are actually holding an event in May. I hope it's not that weekend. I hope it's not that weekend. Or the weekend after that because I'm busy that weekend too. But I want to be in Vegas. And hopefully if I'm there, I see you there. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. ECW Hardcore 07 with a $2 sewage. And I feel like Rampage to be rebranded into Ring of Honor. Maybe. Maybe. It's not a bad idea either. Gavin Deeth with a $10 Australia might. Battle of the Belts should be all AEW versus Ring of Honor. Starts Rosa vs. Perrazzo vs. Martinez three-way dance. FTR vs. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus and the main event Gresham vs. Page. Nah. Gavin, you're booking yourself into a fucking nightmare. No way. Joseph Taylor with a five-dollar super chat. The match Sean Spears had with Cody Rhodes at All Out 2019 showed two things: how underrated Sean Spears is and how bad Vince dropped the ball with him. Sean Spears should have been NXT champion, man. I'll, I'll always say that. Ty Dillinger should have been an NXT champion. 
when he was as hot as he was? Allison Tuckwab. 499 Super Chat. How is Tony Khan going to run everything now? How is it going to keep up with everything? He's going to need people to help him with her zone business. Uh, uh, Listen, Allison, I don't think we should really doubt Tony Khan. I did bring this up several times. I don't want him to wear himself thin. But I think after what he did with Ring of Honor, I don't think there's any doubt that Tony Khan is going to give us the best shows possible. But I do think that he should delegate some of the responsibilities so not everything is on his plate. Maybe he works better that way. Some of these guys just work better with all that shit just coming at him, man. Brian Edwards, seven-month member. Thank you for the recommitment to the VIP club, Brian Edwards. Hey, JD, are you excited for Braves opening day tomorrow? Indeed. Hopefully they can repeat as champions. I don't think they'll repeat. They definitely have the team to, but it's very tough to repeat in the MLB. And I think they actually have a better lineup without Freddie Freeman. They got Matt Olsen and Marcel Ozuna is back. Ozuna was a fucking stud, bro. Magician Sapphire with a $10 super chat. I haven't super chatted in a while, and I agree. Jade has definitely improved in a rapid way. It's wild how she's getting better while Omas still wrestles like a sack of concrete. Bro, Omas is shit. Never compare Omas and Jade Cargill. Anybody. Thank you, Magician. It's always nice having you, bro. Jacob Donnelly with a $5 super chat. Jacob was at Dynamite tonight. Just got home from the show, and man, it was awesome. Boston sure loves AEW. The Pro Wrestling Podcast. Jamie Hayter versus Tony Storm equals cake. What type of cake are we talking about, bro? We're talking about birthday cake, Carvel cake, ice cream cake, creme brulee cake, cheesecake. What type of cake are we talking about here, bro? Yes, I know. Philip Newton with a 199 Super Chat. JD, this is for Jesse. I'm glad his wife is okay. We all love Jesse. Julia Hart and Lee Johnson don't. And after I tell them exactly what he said tonight about them, I don't think they're going to like him ever again. Next time that they're in Chicago, bro. You thought last beating was bad. Holy shit. Thank you, Philip Newton. Jesus with a 999 Super Chat. Just finished watching Dynamite. My God, what a show. AW has been killing it. Always a great Dynamite, man. There's never a bad Dynamite. It's either really good, average at best sometimes, but always excellent. Big Bad Lone Wolf. Your thoughts about FTR going for AEW Tag Team Gold, JD, with a $5 super chat. I like it. Just give them all the gold. Just give them all the gold, bro. A 449 super chat in the UK from someone who's simply known as the letter C. JD, what do you think about the Twitter timeline talking about WWE Tag Teams are better than AEW Tag Teams? I think everybody in that thread is a complete fucking zero IQ internet geek. Don't even bother. 
Do not engage. Do not engage. Unless you want your IQ to dip into the levels of which the person who started that thread, his IQ, where it is, you don't want it to be at that level. Oz Inglorious with a $5 super chat. Sorry, friends. Nobody's hotter than Thunder Rosa. Great dynamite, great stream, long-term booking, AW for life. You know, Oz Inglorious, I'm not even going to combat you on that, bro. Rosa's in my top three, bro. Tyler B with a 499 Super Chat. Great show tonight, JD. Punk wins belt at double or nothing. I think so. I think CM Punk is going to wrestle Adam Page at double or nothing. We're going to get a new world champion in CM Punk. And the summer of Punk 2022 will be underway. We got the summer of Punk with Cena. We got the summer of Punk last year. We're going to get the summer of Punk this year, man. The summer of Punk should be trademarked. It's going to be a thing. I got nobody to yell at, man. I got nobody to yell at. Jesse's not here. Issa's not here. Well, maybe Issa could start bartending, man. She's back in New York City for a few. Maybe she'd come to the venue of bartend, man. Marcus Gunn with a $2 super chat. Can't wait for double or nothing, JD. Me too. And double or nothing's going to be fucking awesome. AEW pay-per-views are usually excellent. D'Angelo Hayes with a $5 super chat. Sending you around a bowl of bourbon. Angel's Envy is another great bourbon. Oh, I'm very familiar with Angel's Envy, bro. I'm very familiar with Angel's Envy. My personal favorite, man, Knob Creek. Some good shit. Anyway, guys, I'm about to get out of here, man. Hopefully you and uh, you, you, you guys enjoy this solo show. Normally, it's not just a solo show, man, but I, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty used to doing solo shows. I mean, I don't need Jesse, but uh, Jesse's always a welcome, a welcome addition to the show. He could have really helped my voice out tonight. Taking 50% of the load, clown. We love Jesse. He'll be back next week. Um, guys, go check out the other content on the channel. Plenty of it. Seriously. Thank you for 132,000 subscribers. We hit that. Twitter was unbelievable, man. Four million impressions. WrestleMania weekend. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You guys killed it. Hit that thumbs up. Thank you for the super chats. Thank you for the recommitment to the VIP club, man. Uh... Anon Kunsan in the chat. Shut the fuck up, bro. Shut the fuck up, man. You're telling me information I already know, bro. One more word and you're out of here. And I'm in the car, man. Don't think I can't bench you from the fucking seat of the car. Anyway, guys, I'm about to get out of here. Number one, I need those guitar emojis in the chat. Number two, fuck Anon Kunsan. And number three, I need those Mustang emojis in the chat. And we're going to go for a fourth tonight. When that guitar solo comes on, man, you guys know what I need. I need that music on max. I'll see you guys tomorrow for Off the Scripts. I think it's episode 425. And I'll see you guys back live on Friday night for SmackDown 
Roman Reigns, what he does next, and AEW Rampage right here on OTS. I'll see you guys later.